Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert Derek Boylan for what we are calling the Focus Sessions, aimed at helping families with relationship issues. Together with Derek, over a number of these sessions, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. Money, as they say, Derek, makes the world go round, uh, but for many families, there's not enough to go around, and that can lead to problems in relationships, you'd agree. Yeah, it sure is, David. It's probably one of the most difficult things for couples to to talk about, and, and we know because it's reflected in the research. You know, what we know is that less than 10% of couples actually have a budget and would be able to sort of say, well, this is how much money we have coming in and going out, and that's because they don't talk about it. It's difficult to talk about. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, look, it's a good time to talk about financial pressures on relationships, uh, especially with the coronavirus causing massive job losses and uh, so much hardship uh, to business. But even in normal times, Derek, money is a stressful issue for couples. It seems to be one of those perennials. Mm, mm, it sure is. And, uh, and couples really do struggle with knowing how to have a conversation about it that's going to be helpful in their, their relationship. And so, uh, but there are some practical tips that can, sort of, that can help with that. Okay. Uh, is there any one thing that leads to arguments over money? Is it a, a whole gamut of things? Look, I think it is a lot of things, but, but I suspect that one of the biggest uh, issues for couples is actually that often when they come to a relationship, they come with different money, uh, what some people refer to as money habitudes. So certain habits, ways that they sort of think about money and spend money. And, uh, and these sort of ideas have developed over time for them as individuals. And, uh, and I guess, and we all have money habitudes. I mean, for some people, Money is about long-term sort of financial stability. I earn money so that one day I don't have to earn money and my family will be taken care of. And, and I guess people in that, with that mindset, they will you know, put a lot of money aside and they'll invest money and they'll try to make um, you know, financial investment decisions when they think about their money. But for other people, money is about social status. You know, it's, uh, I earn money so that I can uh, pursue the kinds of interests and sports and hobbies that I that I am interested in and I can spend time with people who share those ideas and, and values and interests with me and and that's the way that they think about money and the way they prioritize money. For other people, money's about charity. It's about how can I make a difference in other people's lives? And they've got, you know, 30 World Vision children and 50 cats and they donate to everyone and that brings them uh, happiness and fulfillment. And uh, and I guess, you know, who's to say which is the right way necessarily to spend our money? But in a couple relationship you know, you have two people who come together with different habitudes about money, and often that results in some difficult conversations about what we should be doing with our money and how we should be prioritising the spending of it. Yeah, no, fair enough. And Derek, are we to a large extent uh, shaped by our upbringing and how our parents dealt with their finances? Absolutely. I think that that's probably one of the first places I'd encourage couples who are wanting to, to think about how we talk about our money. Uh, and finances is to think about their experience growing up. What did they see modelled? What were the patterns that they sort of adopted? You know, uh, an example would be um, Karen and I, when we, in my family growing up, I have very little recollection really of my parents talking about money. I think my dad's attitude might have been, it's not their money, so why would I talk to my kids about it sort of thing, you know? So I don't have much of a memory of them, um, of them budgeting or you know, having conversations about bills and the paying of them, those sorts of things. It just wasn't really on my radar. And in Karen's family growing up, her mum was really the one who 
um, made the major decisions around money. She did the weekly shopping and put money aside and decided when they'd invest and what they'd invest in and those sorts of things. And so when Karen and I uh, came into our relationship, you know, my attitude was, well, you know, I can manage our money or you can manage our money or we can do it together. For me, any option was perfectly acceptable. And, um, and without us really actually having a conversation, Karen just sort of started, you know, paying the bills as they came in and, and, uh, and those sorts of things. And it was probably maybe six months into our relationship and Karen sort of says, you know, you like spending our money, but I don't think you really know how much is actually in the account and what's going in there, do you? And I'm like, I'm interested. And so we had an awkward conversation about how will we manage our money in our marriage? And, uh, yeah. and I think that's probably, it's just a reflection of our upbringings, patterns we picked up uh, and adopted that are now being sort of worked out in, in this relationship. So they are shaped by our upbringing. Yeah, and sometimes you, you, your other half loves to deal with the finances and the, the other one doesn't, so that, that can work out well. Exactly, that's right, that definitely. Are there signs, Derek, that couples can look out for uh, to sort of avoid these sort of uh, tremendous arguments, if I can put it that way? Yeah, sure. I think actually one of the, the, the number one sort of signs is actually something you just mentioned, which is when you have typically in a relationship, you'll have one person who is more interested in the, in the money. If you sort of think of it as a spectrum of not interested at all and, and completely interested, you know, they're not going to be at exactly the same spot. So one person is typically going to be a little bit more interested in, you know, what bills have we got coming up and how much is in the bank account and are we going to have enough to meet those priorities and, and what can happen sometimes and what the couples need to look out for is that person after a while kind of becoming the money police officer in the relationship. And, uh, and so the way that they typically enact that role is by nagging. And so, you know, is that really important? You know, should we be spending money on that? Is that a real priority, you know, for our home and a family life? And, you know, it's not very nice, I guess, for anyone to be nagged, but it's also not very nice to have to nag either. And so it sort of becomes a, a double-edged sword that sort of, you know, builds resentment in a relationship. And if we find ourselves falling into that place where it seems like one person's the money police officer and and we sort of have these sort of nagging conversations, it's probably time for us to sit down and, and have a proper conversation about money in our relationship. Derek, do couples generally have trouble talking about money? Is it one of those difficult uh, subjects, do you think? Yes, I think it's probably one of the most difficult subjects. You know, and, I, and the reason it's difficult is that I guess there is very little romance in a conversation about money. Um, you know, couples like to talk about things that bring them happiness and joy and, in their life. But money, whenever we talk about money, most of the time in our relationship, it's almost always going to be a conversation about unlimited needs, hopes, wants, dreams, travel plans, you know, all those sorts of things, investments, and limited resources by which to acquire them. <laughs> and so, uh, and I guess, you know, it's just that, that principle of scarcity, it's going to be a difficult conversation. And so I guess the first step for couples is really to to really be patient with one another and gentle in these kinds of conversations, knowing that they are kind of tricky and we, we both of us in the relationship have hopes and dreams, our children have ideas, plans, things that they'd like, and, uh, and we've got limited resources by which to try and achieve those. And so we just need to be patient as we work out the priorities and, and talk through some of those things. But generally, couples do have trouble trying to talk about money. Is it, is it one of the big taboo subjects, do you think? Uh, we, we've discussed a few of these in some of these focus sessions, but the money one seems to be like the big one. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, uh, I think particularly in our culture, David, I, I suspect that it's, um, 
for some reason, you know, other cultures are a little bit different in this regard, but for some reason, Australians find it difficult to talk about money. And, uh, and I suspect that often it's caught up in, in judgment. Uh, you know, I guess, um, you know, maybe a sort of a tall poppy syndrome ish, you know, well, you've, you've got enough money, surely, you know, um, and, uh, and judgment. And so it makes it difficult for us to have those conversations because we sort of, we fear risking ridicule or judgment and those sorts of things. However, um, you know, my experience has been sometimes people will look at, for instance, here in WA, uh, where I'm based, the fly in, fly out couples, you know, who earn, you know, a lot of money for the work that they do often. However, what happens is that their lifestyles grow to accommodate the income that they're bringing in. And so even when those relationships, you know, when they lose work or lose a job, they, they're struggling just as much as everybody else. Um, and, uh, and yet sometimes they find it really quite difficult to talk to about about it with other people because people say, well, weren't you earning this much? Um, so it is a sort of a taboo subject. But if we don't talk about these things, well, then how can we get our needs met and, uh, and, uh, and resolve our frustrations? And, and how do we stop resentment from building up? So I think it is something that we have to sort of push past that, that difficulty, that resistance sometimes we feel to talk about these things if we really want the relationship to grow and if we don't want this to be an obstacle in our marriage. Sure. And I mean, we all know that money doesn't necessarily make you happy. There are plenty of examples of people having heaps of money and not being terribly happy. But uh, the other side of the coin is not having enough and it's struggling mm. to pay bills and from day to day. And that obviously puts a lot of pressure on people. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, and I think particularly in the, at, you know, with uh, people losing their work at the moment, um, you know, it's a huge pressure on families and a huge stress to sort of work out, well, how do we have a conversation? And for many of us, you know, a lot of our identity is caught up in, in money and the earning of money and providing for our family. So it's not just that we're struggling financially, but we're really struggling with the loss of a, a sense of identity and a sense of purpose. Um, you know, there's a lot of things there. And that's why we need to be really patient and gentle as we talk about these things in our relationships. True. I mean, there is a stigma there, isn't it? You, you probably feel like a failure if you can't uh, provide, whether it be the, the man or the, the woman in each household. Yeah, absolutely. I think often when we go into relationships, I think particularly for men, but for women as well, there is a view that if I get nothing else right, I should be a good provider and, and protector um, for this family. And so it really cuts deep when we're struggling financially to, to meet needs. Yeah, no, exactly. Derek, can couples learn with professional help to talk about money in much the same way they might learn about uh, romance and intimacy as we've discussed in previous sessions? Yeah, I would definitely encourage couples if they're not good with money or they haven't had much experience with money to seek help from a, a financial planner and also to read widely, um, you know, to, you know, get some good books out um, and, to, you know, from people who are you know, good at um, financial management and to grow their knowledge, develop their knowledge about money and how to spend money, how to save money, how to invest money. Um, you know, it, uh, it is a, a difficult thing. But one of the reasons why I also encourage couples to do that is not just for the advice that they get, but if as a couple they are, you know, getting these resources, accessing financial planners and material to read, then what happens is instead of becoming adversaries, talking about their money and, and sort of arguing about what the best thing to do is, they become a team in responding to the advice and the feedback that they're getting from, you know, people who are more experienced. And, you know, that's really the biggest step is to work out how do we start working as a team around these issues instead of working as sort of as enemies, you know, whose way is the right way. And so sometimes just bringing some of these resources, getting advice from people who are experienced and knowledgeable in these areas, 
um, can really help us to start to become more of a team working together to get the best outcome for our for our family. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as with intimacy and uh, other things we've discussed, there's sometimes no right or wrong way, but what suits the couple uh, in question. Mm, mm, definitely, absolutely. And and I think that's really true because every couple's um, you know situation financially is really quite different. You know, I found sometimes you know you have couples and they've got. Uh, um, you know, they're working in a job where they're paid a regular wage, but other families are working and their, their income is based on contract work, you know, whether they are able to sell a house or, you know, get a plumbing job. Other people's, their financial situation is very heavily dependent on the building industry or, uh, or the mining industry. And so uh, every couple is going to be different. Their situation, circumstance is going to be different. What works best for them is going to be different. And so it's about helping them to start to have a conversation uh, in a way that best meets their needs and knowing that, you know, what we do is going to be different from what other couples do and that's okay. All right, exactly right. Some people aren't good with money. That's right. The importance of producing a weekly or monthly budget would be very beneficial, I imagine, for them. Would you agree with that? Yes. Uh, I've got some tips around uh, uh, budgeting and, oh, good, uh, and we won't good. talk about them in a, in a few minutes, but, uh, but certainly yeah. budgets are one of the toughest things for couples to work out how to build, how to create. And, uh, and so, but uh, there are some ideas that I found certainly helpful when working with couples. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, there's a good chance at least one member of each family is good with finances, as I discussed earlier. When couples are just starting out, much like working out the chores, it is it is a good idea, I imagine, to sort of work out early on who pays the bills and who looks after that side of things. Look, it definitely can help when uh, one person has a bit more knowledge about finances or is more comfortable or is more available. You know, so for instance, in our marriage, uh, for a long time, Karen was the one who really just handled the finances, you know, bills that came in and making sure that they got paid. Uh, and then as our family grew and the demands grew, Karen sort of said to me one day, um, I'm really struggling to keep on top of that. Can you take over that responsibility in our relationship? And I sort of said, yeah, that's fine. And, and for us, it was about a six-month sort of crossover period, which is a little bit awkward because the way I do things is different from the way that Karen used to do things, and that's okay. Um, and, uh, and it was a learning curve for me because I hadn't done it uh, for our family. And so there were lots of sort of interesting bills that came through. And I'm like, oh, really? We pay for that? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it worked out uh, yeah. for, uh, for us. But I guess it's really important for couples also to keep in mind that their finances are a shared responsibility. That it's, um, that it's not just, you know, I guess in a way, while within their marriage, they might say, well, if you can pay those things, that's great. And, and I'll take care of these bills as they come in or servicing the car or whatever it might be, that actually nobody else sees it that way. You know, the bank really doesn't care who pays the mortgage so long as somebody pays the mortgage. You know, the, the local share council doesn't matter, doesn't care who pays the rates so long as somebody pays the rates. And so I guess it, looking from the outside into a couple's relationship, there's no sort of, oh, well, it's your responsibility or my responsibility. It's your responsibility as a couple. And so I guess it's important to keep in mind that even though at times, for instance, in our marriage, Karen has been the one who, you know, has just made sure that we bills got paid as they came in, that it is still actually my responsibility. I should, still should be interested and I do need to sort of say, you know, how are you going or do you need any help or be available when Karen sort of wants to have a conversation about which bills are the most important priority here in terms of what should be paid first and and those sorts of things. So I, I don't think, yes, definitely, I agree, David. It, it is good sometimes if one person's more available or more attuned to and good at with working with finances to take more responsibility there, but it doesn't diminish uh, the other person's responsibility to be interested and to, to be a part of the decision-making and to be concerned and share that, um, that responsibility. 
Okay, now you mentioned tips. I think we're all excited about that. Do you know ways of uh, that we can all pay bills easier or uh, you know with less stress? Look, uh, I probably don't have any tips on how to pay bills easier, but I do have some tips around um, budgeting because I guess, as I said, we know that only less than 10% of couples actually have a budget. And, uh, and I suspect it is because there is, uh, there's very little romance, as I said before, about a conversation about money. So it's awkward to have those conversations. However, budgeting really does bring a lot of clarity for couples and it helps to get them on the same page. It gives them a way to talk about their, their money and, uh, and also a, a sense of um, a purpose. You know, if we need to realize that we need to do something about increasing the funding that we, that we have or we need to save more money. Um, and it puts them on the same page. But budgeting is difficult because it's hard to have conversations about money. And certainly I've found there's a number of things that can really help with budgeting. And the first is, I guess, to remember that a budget is simply a best guess. Um, often when couples first start budgeting, they sort of feel a bit <clears throat> uh, sort of blocked to, to knowing how to start because they really don't know how much money they spend on things. You know, when they sit down and they kind of go, well, how much do we budget for petrol? I don't know how much we spend on petrol. How much would we budget for groceries? Well, I don't really know how much we spend on groceries. It just seems yeah. too too hard to sit down and, and try to work out all of those things. And it, it feels like it's going to be a, a tough job that takes hours to, to do. And they lose sight of the fact that it is just a best guess. It's just an attempt to have a guess at how much money they think might come into their relationship and where it will go this year. And uh, And the thing is that, the first thing they need to do is just have a guess. And this year, they will probably spend way less on their holiday than they thought they would need. And they'll spend way more on petrol than they ever thought that they spent. And next year, their guess will get better. And the year after that, the guess will get better. That The purpose of a budget is simply just to start budgeting. Just to have a go. It doesn't matter if it's not right, you know, exactly. It's not set in stone. It's just a a plan, it's a best guess at how we think we'll spend our money. You know, if you want to be flexible and you want to change it halfway through the year, no one's going to come knocking on the door and say, you didn't stick to your budget, you know. Um, so to just to have a go at it, just to have a guess, I guess, is the first thing. You don't have to run the World Bank. Uh, anyone can run a budget and become quite good at it. Absolutely, yeah. And you get good at it by just doing it <laughs> and, and yeah. not having to be an expert to start out with, yeah. Quite I think right. the second thing is that they need to make sure that they capture everything that they know that they're going to spend money on, uh, both individually and, uh, and as a couple. So, um, so for instance, I know that Karen and I are both going to get haircuts and Karen will have less hair cut off and it will cost twice as much. I don't know why that is the case, but I'm pretty sure that that is going to be the case. And, uh, and so we just budget yeah. for that. We know that that's, that's a reality. We know that we're going to um, purchase Christmas presents for one another and, and birthday presents for one another. and so. Um, and so we sort of work out what we think is pretty reasonable around that and we budget for that <clears throat> to make sure that, uh, that those things are going to be covered when, they, when it comes to the time to, to, um, you know, to expend that money. Um, and so trying to make sure that we include everything that we know that we're going to spend money on. And one of the things to keep in mind is also your relationship, you know, budgeting for your, your couple relationship. You know, there's, uh, I, I kind of think sometimes about our car. You know, we have a car. I don't expect that I'm going to have a relationship with that vehicle for more than about four or five years. And yet <clears throat> I spend an extraordinary amount of money on it in servicing and tires and registrations and all of those sorts of things. And yet we have this person that I'm living with that I want to spend the rest of my life with. 
And, uh, and if I am as intentional, at least as intentional in my relationship with this person as I am with my car, then I should probably be budgeting for that, you know? And that means, you know, movies to go and see together maybe or going on a, for a meal occasionally or maybe getting counselling if we know that that's something that we need to sort of talk about difficult things or doing relationship enrichment, making sure that we actually, because we have a budget, we can commit funds to us, you know, knowing that the success of our relationship is going to determine the success of our home and family life as well, <clears throat> more so than the car running or not. Sure, sure. And I guess the last thing I think with, uh, with budgeting that's really important is to budget for discretionary funds. Uh, to, and it only really works if you have a budget, but to allow for a certain amount of money that we can just spend on whatever we want to spend it on. You know, it's reasonable during the week to, you know, if everyone's going out for drinks after work, to want to be able to, you know, buy a beer. Or if you're going out with friends for a coffee, to be able to buy a coffee. Or if you see a magazine that you really like to read, you know, to be able to buy a magazine. And, you know, as I was saying before, sometimes when we have different money habitudes, it's hard to value what it is that our spouse likes to spend money on. Um, and if we don't have funds that we can just sort of spend how we like, you know, then we, that's when we sort of get trapped in these arguments about, you know, was that really important? Do you really need a beer after work? Do you really have to read that magazine? And, and we sort of get resentful and we get sort of gridlocked around some of these conversations. Um, so, for instance, Karen and I, you know, each week because I get paid weekly, we set a bit of money, just a small amount aside, which is uh, the same amount for each of us, for Karen to spend on whatever she wants to spend it on and for me to spend on whatever I want to spend it on. Karen, at the end of each week, does not have a dime left. God knows what she spends it on. You know, it's oh, like the kids are all good. Oh, we're having an ice cream. You know, sees the magazine she wants to read. Oh, I'm reading the magazine sort of thing. Um, me, I never spend anything. I just, you know, I go to work and I don't usually like to sort of go to the shops. And so mine just sort of stockpiles a bit. But every now and then I'll come across some cool boy toy that I kind of think, you oh, know, I'd love to, you know, have a quadcopter or something like that, you know, and, uh, yeah. and I'm happy to wait. And so that, you know, that money's there. And Karen kind of goes, where do you, you get the money from? And I'm like, well, I don't spend anything. It just sort of sits there until, you know, something comes along that I really want. And it's important to have those funds because what it does is it stops nagging. You know, that if Karen wants to spend over that amount each week, she'll ring me and say, look, I'm down at the shops and this is 25% off and I could save money, but I'm happy to take it out of our funds for next week, you know, and, uh, and we have a conversation about that. Or if I'm, I don't know, surfing eBay and I see something that's kind of cool and, uh, and that, um, that's a little bit over what we agreed, I'll, you know, give Karen a ring or I'll say, you know, what do you think about this? And we have a conversation about those things rather than getting stuck in those sort of difficult conversations about, you know, was that really a priority and why didn't you think of me when you spent that money? So those discretionary funds, and it doesn't have to be a lot, but just allows us to, a little bit of flexibility in our relationship that responds to our money habitudes, our tendencies and our ways. You know, if, you, if you're a sporty kind of person and you want to buy a new tennis racket, well, then there's some money there for you to save up and buy a new tennis racket. If you're a charity sort of person and you like to donate, well, there's some money there that you can donate to funds and, uh, and purposes that you sort of really think are, are worthwhile um, is uh, really important. I guess the last thing with budgeting is um, is that it seems like a big job, but actually, once you actually start doing it, you realize it's not that big. Um, Karen and sure. I, for instance, we do our budget in February each year. Once all the Christmas expenses and everything are over, we decide that we're going to set uh, just one Saturday or a Sunday in February to sit down and work out our budget for the year. And, uh, and inevitably, it is the very 
last Saturday or Sunday in February because I've put it off. I'm like, uh, let's do it next week. Uh, let's do it next week. And <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? This yeah. is the last Sunday. We're doing it today. Got to do it. Yep. And um, <clears throat> we get up in the morning. We have breakfast. We make ourselves a cup of coffee. We get out an Excel spreadsheet and, uh, and we start to go. And we set the whole day aside. So there's, we're not going to do anything else that day except make sure that we've worked out a budget for how we think we'll spend our money this year. And uh, usually about half an hour later, we're done. We're, so, you know, even though we sort of thought of it as a huge job, it actually gets done really fast. And then we've wow. got the rest of the day to celebrate and kind of go, you know what, let's uh, you know, go to a picnic or do something nice to celebrate that we worked out our, our budget for this year. Yeah, and brilliant. There's a couple. As a couple, we just review it in August. You know, when it gets to August, we just sort of make sure we, before Christmas suddenly is on our doorstep, we just sort of sit down and go, well, this is how we thought we'd spend our money and are we on track with that? And, you know, is things sort of working out? And then often we'll sort of distribute between us, you know, I'll take care of servicing the cars and Karen will make sure that, you know, the mortgage gets paid as it comes in and, and those sorts of things. But, um, but often it's actually just those two really clear conversations in February and August that get us both on the same page, that give us clarity and that help us to feel good about, you know, the decisions that we're making with our money. Yeah, that's very organised, Eric. I'm most impressed. I, I can't imagine most couples would do it that way and uh, sit down early in the year and talk about it and then revisit it six months later. So that is impressive. Mm. And I think, you know, it's, it's even just those two little conversations are far better than no conversations <laughs> and us feeling resentful towards one another and, and bitter Absolutely. that we're not on the same page. Yeah, and it, also equally impressive is the fact that you seem to get it done in half an hour. <laughs> I don't know how you do that, but that is good. Yeah, it's actually surprising. I think once we sit down and we've sort of got an Excel spreadsheet with the different items on it, um, then, uh, uh, you know, when I actually look at the, um, you know, when we actually sort of start to go down the list and kind of go, all right, well, how much is school fees this week? Well, we know. We have a bit of an idea from last year. And as I said, it's a best guess. Each year we get better at it. You know, we put aside this much for electricity and we kind of spent more than that. So we need to change our budget this year. And, uh, and our guess gets better as we go along. But actually, once you, when you're committed to finding out those costs and you log into your account online and you see when the electricity bill came out and, oh, that's kind of about how much it was this year, um, you can actually do it pretty quickly. Yeah, no, terrific. Uh, Derek, uh, talking about people who make poor financial decisions, sometimes there are underlying themes there, like there could be an addiction, perhaps a, a gambling problem. Um, that would make it even harder, I imagine, for the couple uh, what, what sort of things can they do? How can they seek help for that sort of situation? Yeah, definitely. David, I think a lot of couples find themselves in difficult financial situations. And sometimes that can be, you know, because of poor choices. And other times it's the loss of a job, but uh, they suddenly discover that they're really in a place where they're struggling to meet their financial obligations and really unsure about how to sort of progress. And, and it creates a lot of anxiety and stress in couples. And, uh, and often the first thing they do is they imagine the worst possible scenario, their house getting taken off them, their electricity getting you know, cut off, and, uh, and how are they going to manage that? I guess there's a couple of things there that, uh, that are important to consider. The first is that if it's as a result of something like a gambling addiction, they really need to get professional help with that. Uh, it's really, really important. Don't just rely on that person sort of kind of saying, oh, no, no, I promise from now on things will be different. Get help. Um, these are difficult problems to shift and, uh, and getting some support and getting some advice from professionals who can help you to best know how to manage that situation is definitely going to make a big difference to start out with. I guess the second thing is that um, 
is don't be afraid to ask out for help. There are plenty of organizations if you're in, the, in a crisis situation, uh, you know, people like St. Vincent de Paul, those sorts of organizations are very happy to, to help out and to support and also have access to services that can provide uh, support when it comes to financial budgeting and, and, uh, and dealing with finances. But the other thing is that most providers, you know, understand, they know that couples find them and families find themselves in difficult situations and circumstances. And, uh, and really the most important thing that they, they're not, their, their number one priority isn't cutting off your electricity or, you know, selling your house. Their number one priority is actually working out a way that you can pay your bills, right? They want the money to come yeah. in. And so yes. often they're very happy to be quite flexible about, you know, working out uh, a system of payment to help you to be able to get on track. If you just uh, ring up, you know, um, your electricity company or if you ring up the bank and say, look, we've found ourselves in this situation and we're really struggling. You know, is there anything that you can do to help? They are very, very happy most of the time to sort of say, all right, well, look, what, what can we do? You know, when do you think you'd be able to, to pay it? And maybe we could pay it in smaller amounts over a period of time and to be really flexible about that. And uh, it can be very daunting sometimes to ask others for help, you know, but don't be afraid of that. Don't feel anxious about that. You know, it's actually, as we've said many times uh, over this series, it's a, it's a strength to know when to ask for help. And to be able to say we're struggling and uh, and we need some help, and most people are more than willing to uh, to help couples and families to work out how to manage those things. Sure, no, that's that's good advice, Derek. Now we've spoken about the importance of money. Would it be a good idea of couples getting down or talking to their children from an early age about budgets and money? I mean, it's not a really sexy subject, we know, but it's so important and it becomes more important the older you get. So I know it didn't happen with me. I know in my upbringing, my parents really didn't talk to me about money, but it might not be a bad idea. I think it's a really good idea. And it's, it is a funny irony that, you know, that uh, I think particularly for uh, maybe our generation that we grew up and, and parents didn't talk about it, school didn't cover it, you know, in a lot of depth uh, outside of mathematics. And, uh, and so we have a sort of a generation that aren't very knowledgeable, you know, except for a few people who've sort of gone on and done further studies about money, about how to save money, about how compound interest works, about the best ways to manage bills, how to handle a credit card. Um, all of those things are important for being able to be healthy members of civil society and, uh, and to contribute meaningfully to our community. And so I think talking to our children is really important. Letting our children see us having those conversations, see us sitting down and talking about budgeting um, and teaching our, couple, our children within our families as well. You know, there's plenty of programs out there in terms of uh, ideas for structuring um, pocket money and those sorts of things. In our family, we don't... Um, give our children pocket money. Um, but we, uh, and there are certain jobs around the house that they're expected to do. And you do them simply because you're a part of a family and everyone in the family needs to contribute to things like getting the dishes done and cleaning up our, the dining room table and those sorts of things. But there are other jobs around our house um, where I kind of think if our kids want to earn a bit of money, um, you know, doing the weeding of the front yard, it would probably take me an hour, but if you want to do it, I'm more than happy to pay you for that time. And, uh, and when our kids get to a certain age, they're expected if they want to go on youth group camps and those sorts of things to, uh, to pay for that. And they can, they can earn that money around the house doing plenty of the jobs that I know I struggle to find time to do, and I'd be more than happy to, to pay for them to, to do it. And, uh, and so that's about them learning how to take responsibility for money, that money is a financial transaction, that I give a certain service or a product and, and I receive money in return and how to manage that themselves. Uh, for discretionary funding and also to do things that they really want to do or that they're looking forward to. 
So I think modeling it, talking about it, and teaching our kids about money is definitely a huge step in helping them to become financially responsible adults and to develop a, a sense of comfort in talking about these things so that they're not like our generation. Totally agree. No, that's uh, very, very good advice. Derek, uh, it's recap time. We've come to the end almost. Uh, some of the main points to come out of this session. Yeah, I guess the first point is that if as a, as a couple or in your family, you struggle talking to about talking about money, that's totally normal and very expected. And every couple and family find it hard to talk about um, money. It's always a conversation about unlimited hopes and dreams and, and limited resources by which to achieve those. Having a budget is really important, you know, so that everyone is on the same page about how much money we think is going to come in and what are the important priorities and where that's going to go. And recognizing that we have different money habitudes, we have different approaches and attitudes towards money and, and being sensitive to talking about those things and addressing those needs is key. And then the last thing is if you're really struggling, don't be afraid to ask for help and to, to seek support and to talk to providers. Uh, people are more than willing to help in this area. Terrific. Derek, it's been great talking to you again. You too, David. Thank you. Thank you.